Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I am your host, Colin Morgan, and five days a week, I aim to motivate, educate, and inspire you to live the life of your dreams. I interview some of the most successful and inspiring people, along with sharing insight of my own in order for you to not only be successful in what you're doing, but prosper in business and life. The show is for grinders, people who don't just have dreams, but are willing to lay it all on the line and grind for what they want. Welcome everyone to The Daily Grind. Hey there everyone, Colin here. Just wanted to jump on here and let you all know that unfortunately all the five spots for the one hour coaching call have been completely booked. Listen, if you've been listening to the show for a while now, then you know that here at The Daily Grind, we help create breakthroughs. We make the biggest impact in three areas. Where to start, selling your products and services, which is about making money, and business automation, taking yourself out of it and learning to become a boss. Now, a part of that is we make money here at The Daily Grind, okay? We're about making money, and we want to help you make money too. If you're struggling in one of those three areas, whether that's knowing where to start, making money, or automating your business, and you want help directly from me, I can't give away the hour anymore, but what I'll do is I'll give you 20 minutes of my time. The link is in the description of this podcast. It says book a call here. Click that link, select a time. I look forward to speaking with you. Joining us for a second time on the Daily Grind is Alex Berman. Alex is the chairman and founder of a marketing and lead generation agency, Experiment 27. He is responsible for generating millions in B2B sales for his clients over the course of his career. He also creates weekly YouTube videos to help agency owners grow their businesses and bring in more revenue, teaching them how to optimize B2B sales cycles and put inbound marketing strategies in place. He's also a former director of marketing at the 60-person, three-time Inc. 5000 agency in NYC and a YEC member. Today on the show, Alex not only shares a bit of his story, but really reveals some top secrets that you can use to not only get started in business, but if you have a business, learn to scale and get in touch with big, big brands. So as always, everyone, be sure you grab that pen, notepad, sit back, and really dive deep in today's interview with Alex Berman. Enjoy. Well, Alex Berman, welcome back to The Daily Grind, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, Alex, say, you know, for those of you who, uh, or those listening who didn't catch episode one, which was, let me go back, episode 163. So if you want to learn more about Alex Berman, go to episode 163 and check that out. But Alex, uh, just as a refresher for people and new people listening, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. For sure. I might go back and listen to that too. I'm always down to learn more about who I am. (laughs) Uh, so I run a company. I run a couple companies now. Uh, the big one is Experiment Twenty Seven, where we help B two B companies match with billion dollar brands. So we're basically a lead gen company, but instead of focusing on any business, uh, we help them match with people like Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme and Starbucks and Home Depot, like the, the Fortune Five Hundred. We met with like thirty percent of the Fortune Five Hundred for our clients. 
Uh, we do that mostly through cold email. I also run a fashion company. We've got a course called Epic Mail Machine that's selling pretty well. Um, I do consulting, and I run an app company called uh, Simple Apps. We do plugins for Shopify stores, and all of those are all of those are crushing it right now. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, you got a whole bunch of things on the go. I know you're in the film industry as well, but what's uh, what's the big goal for 2019 for you? My goal recently has been turning everything into, um, this might sound weird, but cash generation machines. So I'm trying to figure out for each one of the companies, where can I spend $1 and make five and do it quickly? So for instance, with X27, we're at And our service, we were selling a year-long contract, and it took six months to close. So in order to spend $1 and make whatever, it took us six months to find that. Okay. So I restructured, and now we're doing a two-call close, which we can complete in the same week. Because if we're doing a two-call close, now we know, you know, let's say we spend $40 on a salesperson. Let's say it's an hour or two hours of their time. Then they can make us $2,000. Like, that's perfect. Uh, same thing with simple apps. We found AdWords, and now we know that it costs us $10 to get one sign-up. That makes us 180, and that's that's been my my main thing recently. It's just for every single one of the businesses I'm working on, how can we spend one dollar and make you know five, six, seven bucks? Yeah, and you know that's what the, the big goal is. By the end of the year, I want it all. I want all the businesses to be like that. Yeah, and it sounds to me like I watched a lot of your YouTube content as well, and you're very sort of numbers driven that way. Like you want to know exactly if I spend this amount of money, this is the return I'm getting, and it be predictable. Well, you need to be, because uh, what I found is there's a couple different types of businesses, and a big one that a lot of people don't talk about is the lifestyle business, meaning uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are trapped in a lifestyle business. I know I was without thinking it is. So, for instance, for the last year, I thought X27 was uh, a dog, meaning it was just like a business that was slowly dying. But what it really was was a lifestyle business. And so what I needed to do was shake up the entire team, make everybody KPI driven, like fire a couple people, get a couple new people in there. And then it's, you know, it's a question mark now. It's not a rising star yet, but gotcha. <laughs> and you know, what, all, sometimes all it takes is just shaking it up and seeing it honestly. No doubt. What, what made you sort of realize that? Like what, what, what clicked in your mind to realize that, wow, I'm, I'm instead of kind of just watching this go down, this being a lifestyle business, let's refocus, let's start to grow again. Like what was that? What clicked is I wrote a movie in November, and I, I self-funded it. I got the actors. We got the sets. We did all this stuff, right? And I thought I was doing amazing. I was making this movie. And so I took like three weeks off to just do this and just focus 100% on the project. And then when I came back, I had like $20 in my bank account, and I had to wait like three days before something else paid, like before wow. I cashed. And so I realized like, you know, why am I at Walmart? Why do I only have $20? Like what the, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Um, so then I realized, yeah, I just got to, it's cool to have all the income and everything, but I really need to like 10 X this. Like I really need to push everything to the next level or this isn't going to be sustainable. Yeah, it's difficult. I think that's a difficult thing for, I mean, I, I know I've kind of faced it where you have like all these passion pro projects that you have on the go and it's hard to balance wanting to do that with also generating revenue in another way. And, and oftentimes when you do both, you can kind of wear yourself thin at moments. Yeah, especially so. For, for the movie business, um, I had a video production agency that we closed called Lorelia, where we were do doing these documentaries. It was 100K for a documentary. And the reason why I closed it is because I found that I don't like too much commerce in the art. Like the movies are the escapist thing. So I definitely need to be able to, in my life, focus on a movie, go all in and not worry about the money. 
And yeah, in order to do that, I need the businesses to one, be making a crap load of cash, but then two, not require any of my time for long stretches of, of time. And I thought we were there. We weren't there. Um, now we're getting way closer. Got you. And was it the, like, what was missing from what you were doing before to what you're working towards now? Like, was it new processes, new procedures, getting more KPI? Like, what was it? So the main thing was uh, last year, second half of last year, I freaked out and fixed all the processes at X27, meaning our client delivery wasn't as consistent as it could have been. Gotcha. So we were, we're a marketing company. We weren't generating enough leads for like maybe 30% of our clients. We were seeing a really high churn. So we hired a project manager. We redid all of our product and did all that. But while that was going on, we made a huge mistake, which is we didn't focus on sales. So our sales slumped. And uh, actually, at the beginning of this year, our revenue was at the lowest it's been since like maybe 40 days after I started the company. Wow. <laughs> it was really bad. It was really, really bad. Um, so no, that, that was the big realization is anytime, anytime you're going to focus on product, and I, I felt this multiple times, especially as a service business, anytime you want to pull back and focus on product, you also have to have a sales goal at the same time. Like yes. any product goal, it's even a mobile app, you want to rebuild the app. Well, at the same time, you better be collecting email addresses or ideally hard selling someone on something to keep this business afloat. Otherwise, it really is just like moving from product to sales to product to sales. And that's how the company, at least for me, that's how it plateaued. Got you. Totally. And, you know, what I want to talk about is something that you're an expert in, and, and that's cold email outreach. And I think a lot of people listening could really benefit from that. I mean, People are starting businesses. They're looking to get started in entrepreneurship and get their brand out there and get customers. What are some tips on a uh, being able to reach out to these companies? Like, first of all, like there's so many people reaching out to these businesses. How do you separate yourself? What I've found is it's not as many people as you think at the highest levels. So, no. how many new entrepreneurs do you know? that are going to start a business and the next thing they're, they're going to pitch Sony or they're going to pitch Starbucks, right? Most yeah, new entrepreneurs are going to start a business and they're going to be like, I'm going to pitch doctors. I'm going to sell to dentists. I'm going to sell to restaurants. That's where most people are when they start a company. So actually by choosing to focus on the enterprise, it, it's, um, it's rarer. It's rarer that people go towards them. That's true. So if, so if you reach out to somebody in the enterprise and you're specific and you have something to offer them and you don't completely mangle the email and we can talk about all this stuff. Uh, it's actually extremely easy and, and even I found it's even easier to break into a, an enterprise level company at least to get that initial meeting than it is to to meet with and close local businesses and I've really? done both. Why do you find that? Why do you find that is? Why do I find that? Because let's say someone like the Home Depot, the director of marketing there, right? And it's just a hypothetical. Yeah. But it's not his money that he's spending. It's his budget. But let's say you go up to your local That's mom right. and pop store and you're like, hey, I need $100,000 for this marketing campaign. <laughs> it's their hundred thousand dollars it's coming directly out of their profit right whereas yeah. the director of marketing at a home depot they can spend the 100k it doesn't lower their salary at all to do that there's a slight risk but even as the company sizes get bigger the risk that they're going to lose their job by making one bad decision is actually extremely low as well a lot of times the ceo just likes to see that the companies do that the uh that the marketing officers doing something that's right and they, and they have so, to spend it too right a lot of times they have to spend it a lot of the times they, um, yeah, and they, a lot of times they have to spend it. And as long as you can prove that you've done something similar, and that's what I always do in our, in our cold emails as well, is call out a case study that's similar enough to them that they, you know, they don't see as much risk as they normally would. Then yeah, you're good to go. So if you reach out to Home Depot, you're like, hey, 
you know, we, we've done a marketing project for, or let's say it's a recruitment project. We've done a recruitment project for Avis or another large B2C company. We'd like to do the same for you. You're a lot more likely to get that meeting than if you're talking to a local restaurant and you mention another restaurant that you've worked with. That's true. So for people, I mean, that's really interesting. And I, I really like that tip about going after big brands because I think that people overlook that because I think that it isn't a marketplace that's saturated like small businesses when you're going after restaurants or doctors or lawyers or things like that. So you had we found mentioned the same thing in, in we found the same thing in Hollywood, too. I'm selling a TV show and we're reaching out to, you know, creative artist agency and like people that are creators really? on The Simpsons and that 70s show. And uh, we were trying it the other way first. I was like, hey, why don't we reach out to old celebrities that are out yeah. of the spotlight? I found that those guys are way harder to talk to than, you know, Dan Castanoletta's agent or like the showrunner of The Simpsons. Like those guys actually get back. That's so true. It's, it's so it's so weird. That is weird, but you know what? Like, I mean, that's what makes them successful. Yeah, hundred percent. These guys are gonna check every single thing, or at least their agents are, because their agents' job is to find these deals. You don't want to be the showrunner of The Simpsons agent and then have him come to you and be like, "Oh yeah, I, I missed that opportunity," you know, or like, "How did you miss this opportunity for me?" Because that's how you get fired, and these guys don't want to get fired. Yeah, that's so true, and, and it takes. A level of like it takes a level of cojones because like a lot of people would have fear going after big brands big companies people in hollywood that they would view them as you know way down the road i'll contact them then people are so fearful of reaching oh, out to that like, because of the fear well, the of rejection whole, especially in hollywood the whole system's made for you to feel that yeah. um so they have all these things in place, like if you send them a script, they're supposed to get back with like a legal notice that says, hey, we don't accept unsolicited submissions. And the way that we got around that is the exact same case studies uh, strategy that, I'm, that we're talking about today for business. It's if you call out a case study, so hey, uh, we already have these three comedy store comedians signed onto the show. So we have celebrities' names in the email. Now yeah. they don't send that anymore. They just want to meet. And it's the same way with the enterprise. If you have no other companies you can call out, uh, they will ignore you. But if you call up, if you're talking to Home Depot, you say you've worked with, you know, Ace Hardware, or you're talking to Starbucks, you say you've worked with Cadoba. It doesn't even have to be. It's just a similar restaurant. Then they're going to get back. And That's I've actually so found true. you don't even need the enterprise case study. What you really need is uh, a partner that has the enterprise case study. So, for instance. Uh, this is maybe an advanced level strategy. No, that's what I was going to ask next. If you didn't have that sort of case study, this is great. So what I've recommended, or what I've actually done a lot of myself too is let's say you really want to break into design uh, for potato chip companies because you love potato chips. Mm -hmm. um, what I would do is look up an agency or several agencies that have sold to those brands and uh, you call those agencies. You say, hey, you know, I work with a lot of people in the potato chip industry and I'd love to introduce you uh, to some of my overflow work. Would you mind if I shared your portfolio with them? Interesting. So I'd I've found 60 to 90% of the time these agencies will say yes. And then all of a sudden you get to use their portfolio. So let's say they've worked with, you know, Frito-Lay. Now you can reach out to you know, Amy's Popcorn or whatever and say you've worked with Frito-Lay. Now, do you involve them in that project early on too? Ethically, you have to. Um, I've, I've found wondering. that the best way to sell on a cold email is to come up with a lower priced offer first. So for instance, instead of selling, uh, $500,000 design packets, like a lot of these agencies, like $30,000 design packets. Yeah. Uh, it's better to sell them something that you can crank out for like five, 600 bucks and close in two calls. So what I'll normally do is I'll come up with an offer like that. So instead of saying, I'm going to design everything about Amy's potato chips or whatever, I'm going to design everything about this. 
uh, and it'll be $30,000. Instead, we'll say something like, let's come up with a brand guidelines document and a couple mock-ups of this of this logo, of this design, so that we know that we can work together before we move forward into a bigger project. Uh, normally, it's $12,000 for that, but because we really like Amy's and we have a couple of clients that, you know, we have room for a couple more clients this, this week, uh, we can actually get Amy's going for 2000 which is, you know, 80% savings, but we got to get this going in the next 24 hours. Creating that and urgency. It's creating the urgency, but it's also trying to get them to pay you because what you want is, especially if you're working with an agency partner, uh, you want them to only talk to clients that can pay. So if Amy's has paid you 2000 and maybe you're working with that agency, maybe they don't want a $2,000 project, so you go on Upwork and you find a good enough designer to do it. Uh, once that client has paid you, they're extremely qualified for the $30,000, $50,000 project because that's the logical next step. You know, that's a really interesting, like, I think that's a really interesting business model for a lot of people who are, who are breaking in the fact of, of like, if you can sell to these big businesses and then maybe you can't do the work, but you can find people who can. Dude, uh, we actually have a course on it, epicmailmachine.com. We launched that, uh, 30 days ago and it goes over this exact same thing. But yeah, that's the, um, that's the thing I recommend for all new business owners. I actually did the same. I started out selling it was an affiliate, but not really affiliate. I started selling social media services through an agency. Uh, I think they're in Philadelphia or Boston. And yeah, I was just going up to meetups and like selling because as an early entrepreneur, if you're selling and then you have to do the work and then you're selling and then you have to do the work, it's the same problem we were running into as our business, right? Yeah. You need somebody focused 100% on sales and you need somebody focused so 100% on, prod on product or it's not going to work out. Yeah, that's so true. And you're solving the biggest problem, which is getting the business. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So I've seen this in the film business. I've seen this uh, with YouTube creators. I've seen this in almost every business. There are extremely skilled people, like crazy skilled people who have very low hourly rates and who don't work nearly enough. So you can come into any industry as the sales guy as the, or, or girl or whoever, the, the person who can generate the revenue, and you're, are, you're crazy valuable to these people. So true. And you figured out the most important, which is getting a hold of these big, big brands and big businesses. And then it's not just like you said, a lot of people will now that they get a hold of it, they get greedy because they're like, oh, my God, I haven't made any money in a while. Let's try to pitch them 30 grand and make my, you know, make my quarterly was... quarterly hit here. But I like the idea of like, let's just get them on board with something that of a lower rate. And by doing that, you deliver something that they like by building trust so that when you do pitch that next one, it becomes a warm lead. That's uh, maybe let's say it's a symptom. You know, it's like a yeah. unexpected consequence of, of what it is. But no, the reason why I did that is we can sell them on the 50K. I've sold people $200,000 mobile apps. The problem is when you're selling a $200,000 mobile app, it might take a year. That's right. When you're selling a $2,000 thing, and you can crunch it out in two meetings, then all of a sudden you know that you can pay a sales guy to do that, you know, let's say it's 60 bucks plus a 5% commission. Now it costs you a hundred something dollars to make $2,000. Like you can just grind that out. And then you have another sales guy whose only job is to close the people that have already paid you uh, and, and close them on the longer contracts. But now you have runway, you can basically go forever. That was, that was why I added that. I wanted a self-sustaining system where I wasn't waiting six months to see if a close came in. Yeah, that's so true. So when you're doing this, like for people who are maybe interested, I know you have that epic mail machine and we'll get to that course there in a second, but like 
do you, if people want to get started with this, like, do you need a, do you need to create like a website first or can you just start doing this? Can you start reaching out to companies? Can you start offering your services or offering other people's services? Uh, we have this in the course too. It's so funny. Um, but no, uh, you just cold call them, uh, call two agencies. You'll get one of the two. Really? <laughs> just say, rewind to this podcast, say the exact words I just said about sending them overflow work and yeah, you'll get somebody very quickly to sign on. And then you just use, you leverage that brand, you use that in order to start the reach outs. I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's the quickest way if you don't have a client. And actually, it's the quickest way to get enterprise if you're trying to break in as an agency. Let's say you're a design agency. You reach out to a larger design agency. You act like you're as large as them, right? I mean, because you are. If you have clients, you're going to send it to them. And then you're good to go. That's the other key thing with uh, cold email. It works in Hollywood. It works in business as well. It's... uh, you have to act like you're a peer of these people. If you're talking to the director of marketing at Home Depot and you've done marketing for Avis, you're at the same level. And it, it, and a lot of people don't act like that. They're, they say stuff like, dear sir, in the email, or they like suck up to them. And there's a huge mindset behind uh, acting like you don't need to work with them, acting like you don't need the money, uh, et cetera. And it, it, it can be faked. Um, I'm not, maybe I'm not the best at faker at it. I just don't really value money as like a monetary system. I see it more as a game and that, that allows me to fake it a little better. I think it's a great mindset. <laughs> no, it's a good mindset, man. So for like the cold emails, right? Like give us some tips. What are some yeah. do's? What are some don'ts? Sure. So do's, uh, make sure you're sending, make sure you warm up your email address so you don't get marked as spam. Meaning, uh, don't send 300 emails a day from a brand new email address. Start with like one or two a day and ramp up. Uh, the older your email address is, the lower the chance of getting marked as spam. And then in the actual emails themselves, uh, subject line, actually across the board, quick question still works. And I hate using it because it's the same one everyone talks about. Yeah. But I've seen 60, 70, 80% open rates as recently as two days ago. So that wow. still works. Um, another one that works is their first name. Uh, so like Just you know, their first name? Out, yeah. If I was reaching out to you, the subject line would be Colin and you'd open it. You'd be like, well, who's this guy? Really? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then when the email is opened, the first line is usually some kind of compliment about them. So like, hey, Colin, been following your podcast for a really long time. Love the episode you did with Guy Kawasaki. Yeah. Uh, and then you're then you're reading from there. And it's the same for for companies. So like, let's say it's Mark from Home Depot. Subject lines, Mark. Hey, Mark, been following Home Depot for a while. Huge fan of all the uh, growth recently or huge fan of the latest Super Bowl ads. Just whatever, something customized to them. Yeah. So in terms of length, just building on that, like how, how long should the email be? Like, should it, can you go into a bunch of detail or would it's you, gonna be, yeah. no, it's going to be three, three sentences okay. tops. And, and I've found the shorter the email, the better, uh, because you got to think about this. If you're a high level executive, right? If you yourself, the person sending the email is a very busy person, you're not going to spend five hours on an email to somebody you're just going to kind of yeah. dictate it maybe to your secretary and you're going to send an email to the guy who runs home depot because you think you can work together <laughs> right that's the type of mindset to be in so it's that compliment then it's uh you know so hey big fan of home depot really love what you guys did on the latest super bowl ad we do or i run i'm reaching out because i run marketing projects similar to uh, or i've run marketing projects where we help uh whatever the pitch is so yeah. actually it's not marketing projects let's say it's a recruitment thing uh, I help brands like Home Depot recruit more high quality people. Uh, and I've, I've been doing this for 20 years, including work with Avis. Would love to talk about 
implementing an, a, a recruitment system for Home Depot that will allow you to have uh, less turnover and uh, recruit people as needed. Mind if I send over a few times for a quick call? Thanks, Alex. Yeah, you know what? I almost love that because it's word for word what I would send. Yeah, you know what? It's short to the point, and a lot of times, like people try to get so creative with their with their copy, and they try to sound smart. But I think the longer you you go with that, and the more wordy you seem, the more pitchy it is, and the more people don't even look at it because they look at an email that's five six lines. They're like, I know for me, Alex, I'm like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. And and you can tell instantly when it's a cold email. Yes, because they'll say things. You know, they'll be like, this is a great opportunity. Or they'll say, like, random stuff that you wouldn't put in an email. You'll put bullet points in there. (laughs) That's not not what a high-level person reaching out to another high-level person's email looks like. It's just not. And and exactly when they should pay, that's the way you get responded to. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, this stuff here, guys, if you're listening, you're an entrepreneur, you're in business, or you're looking to get started is super valuable. Um, because these are the biggest hurdles that you face in business is reaching out to decision makers and closing deals, building trust, all this stuff, super valuable, Alex. Um, yeah, another, um, another thing that I think people screw up is they think it's easier to sell the local businesses. So they do that first when really, if they had just targeted the enterprise first, it's similar to like, and I'm playing a bunch of Mario Kart right now, right? Okay. And there's three different paths. There's a 50cc, 100cc, and 150. So basically easy, medium, hard. If, I'm play, if I start out and I train in easy mode, then when I go to medium, it's so much harder. I got to relearn the whole game. Then when I go to hard, it's so much harder. Whereas if I just start in hard, yeah, I'm failing over and over again on the first course, you know? <laughs> but yeah. once I get it, now I'm playing on hard mode. It's the same exact thing in, in business. If you start with That's the enterprise, so I love that. you only sell to the enterprise and you crack that, it might take a little bit longer to figure out. But now you're selling to enterprise clients. The upside is so much larger. It's huge. And, you know, they have budget. They're willing to spend. They need to spend. Like, it's not just they're willing to spend. They need to spend. They want your help if you can provide a solution. So that's, think of that. Like, what solution, what problem can you solve for them? And it's a lot easier because, you know, I've faced this too, Alex. Like, trying to sell into local businesses. You try to sell services. They love it, and then you get down to that price, right? And you find out very quickly, or for a lot of people to find out at the end, that they have no budget to do anything. So it's just been a complete waste of your time to go after. You spent money on advertising, and it's just it's frustrating. Yeah, and the the long sales cycles kill you too. That's uh, one reason I don't like Facebook ads for testing a business as well. Because by the time you've gotten these meetings, let's say it's 10 meetings, you figure out none of the 10 convert. You're in the hole so much more. Versus maybe you spend $20 on Upwork to build leads for a cold email campaign. You might get, you know, six, seven meetings. You'll get the same amount of data. It won't cost you hundreds. It'll cost you maybe 20 bucks. Yeah, it's extremely. Alex, if people want to uh, check out your Epic Epic Mail Machine course, is that right? Did I name that right? Yeah, epicmailmachine.com for that one. Beautiful. Um, everyone, go and visit that <laughs> because I, I really... You know, I hear people who want to start businesses, they ask for ideas. I can think of no better business out there that's easier to start to implement tomorrow than this. Um, so that's extremely valuable. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Alex, and if you want to, um, yeah, if, go ahead. If you want, if you run a company, you want us to get you enterprise clients, you want us to do that for you, uh, that's over at x27marketing.com. Beautiful. x27marketing.com, everyone. And also I'll share epicmailmarketing.com for everyone. And now, Alex, we Epic were going to... 
epicmailmachine.com. You know what? It's going to be in the show notes, everyone. So don't listen to what I'm saying right now. Just click on the links and everyone will be okay. Um, Alex, for people, uh, the way we're going to end the show, sorry, here on The Daily Grind is I'm going to give you the floor and uh, you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day. So one thing or one thought that we can all go home with today. Okay, here's here's my big thought, and it is people don't want to lose their job, meaning if you hire somebody and you make them do something, make her do something at your business, uh, she is going to do everything in her power to not lose that job if she cares about it, uh, which means if you add a little bit of pressure, uh, you make her job KPI-driven, uh, you'll succeed. So it's all about you as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing you can do is give people work because most people can't figure out what to do. So, so true. if you give them the right work and it's work that makes money for you and for them, uh, then you can basically do whatever you want. Yeah, love that. And what you said there at the beginning of getting people to, to buy into what you're doing, believe in where they're going, that makes them want to do that and want to stick with it and not lose their job. So do that, everyone. And as you can see from this interview, success is driven by passion, hunger, and today thinking differently. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, for his second time, we had the chance to sit down and speak with the amazing Alex Berman. Alex, again, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule, man, and coming on the show here with us today. Thanks, Colin. This was awesome. Absolutely. Pleasure was all mine. Everyone, if you liked today's episode, be sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. And also share this out with your friends. Until next time, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.